Start fiddling your fidgets and slip into your softest soft pants. But not the wrong kind of soft, looking at you, faux Sherpa. Because this episode, we're finally starting our series on autism and revealing that, surprise, surprise, we both have it. For those of you sarcastically doing a shocked Macaulay Culkin face right now, get ready for some sweet vindication as we explore our newly embraced autistic traits, which, in retrospect, have always very much been there. You are allowed one, I told you so each, use it wisely. We're also covering the validity of self-diagnosis, the barriers to being identified when you aren't a little white boy who loves trains, the DSM-5's diagnostic criteria for ASD and everything we hate about it, and whatever else we can cram in along the way. They said that we'd grow out of it. Well, the joke's on them, that's just our brains. We're eccentric, loud, and stubborn. And most of our clothing is covered in stains. It's not a deficit of attention. There's just too much to think about. So if executive dysfunction becomes a little too much, if you forgot why you came in this room or you're hypersensitive to touch then put on your seamless socks and come join our little flock bitches stimming together we're weirds of a feather weirds of a That was a good trill. That was. Sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't. Oh, should I put that? My little, my trills? Sure. A little autistic tree. You have it somewhere. Yeah. All right, we're going to go back. Yeah, I was thinking we could also, you know. That's my little stem. Whenever we do an autism segment episode. Yes. We could just, some of our quirks can be ones that we've said before, but it can be like, now I very much see that this is an autism quirk, you know? Yeah, so not can... everybody purrs when they're happy. Yes, <laughs> that's very much an autism thing. <laughs> These are just so you can use some examples. Thank you. Just B-roll <laughs> <B> of trills. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be our first Patreon episode. It's just little trills. We're just going to trill back and forth to each other. People are going to love it. like an instrument um it's kind of just like gargling spit in the back of my tongue what is a trumpet if not just gargling spit <laughs> on the back of your tongue you know very true right very true no you're not wrong all right okay do we start this thing let's do it officially starting i'm a little nervous but yes me too i'm yeah. mostly nervous about how much we're going to talk and how long this is going to be. We're no, knowing you and I, we're just going to, you know, state the facts and get in and get out, Stick right? Stick to the outline. Yeah, yeah. easy in, Stick easy out. Easy in, easy out. Quick half Do an hour. Do not deviate from the course. No, and we, we won't. We won't add our personal opinions no. or experiences no, or of course not. A side we're story. Just talk about a couple bullet points yep. and get out of your hair real quick. Yeah, just give you the straight cold hard facts yep. and then facts hit the only. road. Yep, facts only. That's this podcast. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the facts only podcast. If you want subjective input, don't look here. <laughs> personal anecdotes? I don't think yeah. so. We're professionals. We take the personalization out of podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You might as well just have a robot reading this. Yeah, this is, this is the textbook. <laughs> yeah, yes. Textbook. 
All right, before okay. we introduce what we're talking about this episode, yes. should we introduce the podcast first? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, Welcome. to Weirds of a Feather, an ADHD-adjacent podcast. I'm your host, Grace. <laughs> I'm your host, Kristen. You're just going to echolalia off everything I, might, I say? Yeah. Well, now that you've pointed it out. Sorry. I can't. I'm un- sorry I pointed it out. I can't un echolalia you shouldn't have to and speaking of echolalia that's a perfect little intro to this episode because we are finally finally talking about autism and the fact that we have it (laughs) mic drop boom but not really because most of you probably knew that already uh... and most of you have probably been screaming it at your phone when you're listening to us in the car i think someone you're autistic (laughs) This is autism. And yes. And we know it. And we know it. And now we are finally ready to accept it into our hearts and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a process to accept it. But here we are. Here we are. And we're pretty brave, I would say. Pretty brave. As Uh, we sit comfortably in our chairs. Yeah. From afar. Bravery doesn't mean you have to be uncomfortable. You know? You can be comfortable and brave. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I guess simultaneously so. depends on the pants you're wearing. Brave in my slippers. Okay. Okay. I agree. Thank you. So we will be talking. This will be part one of many. Part one of many. Yes. Talking about autism today and kind of talking about the fact that, like, surprise, surprise, we're both autistic and we fully know it and acknowledge it now, and we're finally ready to talk about it. But first, do you want? Do oh, you have a warm up question? Yeah. Kristen was all proud, bragging that she had a warm-up question and she had written it down. And I, I was going to be okay. so proud of her. You know, I have a warm-up question. I do. And this is great because my my computer unplugged and then it ran out of battery. So Perfect. good thing yeah. I wrote down this warm-up question. Are you ready? I guess. Okay. Popcorn jelly bellies. Ugh, yuck. What are your... Yeah, Disgusting. that's my opinion too. Vile. Some people love them. Ugh. I thought they were like... Fuck. I Part of like the Harry Potter yeah. every flavor jelly beans. Yep. No, it's like a legit flavor that people oh, I, like. I know. It's repulsive. Some people, that's their favorite flavor. What? Yes. There's one particular person who will remain nameless in my Name office. them! I can't. I cannot. I make, their, make their shame public. I. But that's like their thing. Oh, why it's, not just eat buttered popcorn? I don't like things that are flavored like real foods. Like not... I guess it depends. My favorite Jelly Belly is the pear. So I guess it's... Pear's a great flavor. Fruits are one thing, but like, I guess savory foods, like anything bacon flavored, I think is disgusting, even though I love bacon. I think the same goes with popcorn flavor. I don't like savory foods. like grape soda? Because it doesn't actually taste like grapes. And that's a fruit. It's savory foods that are made into candies specifically that are a hard no for me. So you're against <laughs> meat flavored soda. A hundred percent. No meat flavored soda <laughs> we here. We agree on that one. Um, I, I just... I like, like why? Like, there's so many great jelly, cinnamon, pear, lemon, root beer, root beer. I like licorice. I know that's controversial. Yeah, that's controversy, but I, I, I get the appeal. Thank you. Um, (laughs) The butter popcorn is just like so out there in left field, and it tastes like it tastes very like the actual butter popcorn. I think. Yeah, which I don't think is a good thing. The food and the texture aren't lining up. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it doesn't make sense in my mind, even though I know like pears and pears. It's just, here's what I think it is now that you've said that. Eating butter popcorn 
very much like a whole sensory experience Mm -hmm. where you have the crunch of it. You have like the saltiness of it. You have like the greasiness of the butter. When you're eating a buttered popcorn flavored thing, it's like it has the texture of a little candy, but the flavor of popcorn, like, oh, they just don't go together in my brain. Yeah. And I I feel like I make, you could say the same thing about pears because like eating a pear is different from eating a pear jelly belly, but it's not, it's like pear adjacent. Yeah. It's not that different. Like they're both kind of like juicy. No, I'm saying like doesn't really taste like pear. It tastes like. A can- yeah, yeah, like you're a right. candy like pear. Like a candy pear, yes. Whereas the it tastes the butter popcorn tastes very much like butter popcorn. I, the it's just like my brain doesn't like it. <laughs> like it hurts my brain that's, more than my mouth. That's the perfect way to put it. My brain doesn't like it. Um, my brain also does not like it. If you like popcorn flavored jelly bellies, why? Get out of here. Get out of here. This podcast is not for you. I want your, we're going to take a poll on this. How are are our feelings on the popcorn flavored jelly bellies? And also, we should take a poll. What's your favorite jelly belly? Yeah. I love the cinnamon. And where do you stand on making savory foods into candy versions? Right. Well, what about bacon on donuts? No. Don't like it. Interesting. Same with like, even things, like I'm. I'm weird about mixing my foods. Like your savories and your sweets? Is autism, I now realize. Mm-hmm. But no, even things like there's like mac and cheese. I love mac and cheese so much, yep. but I don't like lobster mac and cheese. I hate bacon in my mac and cheese. Interesting. Because I think mac and cheese should be pure and it should be. Like I love <laughs> mac and cheese for what it is, you know? Yeah. Don't throw in your salty meat. <laughs> okay. What about, what about um, for mixing savory and sweet, my favorite food in the world is the McDonald's McGriddle. It's the perfect sandwich. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really. It's like you get the savoriness with the bacon and the egg and then the sweetness of like the pancake syrup infused buns. I don't think I've ever had one of those. And I don't know if I care for that. Wow. Okay. Holy moly. Sorry. I'm upset. I'm sorry. I'm irrationally upset. Well, while you deal with that irrationality, uh, I feel like we should probably get into this episode because it's going to be I don't super know if long, I can recover. and I know we're going to talk about yeah. this topic forever, and yep. we have a full episode ahead of us. We really do. So let's save this food <laughs> talk for another time. Let's take it offline. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. We'll have a <laughs> heated discussion after yeah. this. But I'm for taking, now- We get to cue the music so I can take her to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, let's, let us just pause for a couple hours. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right, we're back. <laughs> And now it's time to rip into this episode. Right. So it, autism. Yes. Yeah. That's the episode. Um, It probably doesn't come as a surprise to anybody, but for the past few months, we have been working on accepting and acknowledging and coming to terms with our feels about the fact that we are both autistic along with ADHD, which people call ADHD. ADHD. It's like A-U and then D-H-D. In all caps. Yes. You can look it up. Uh, <laughs> look it up. And we are now officially ready to talk about it. Burr, burr, burr. But first. Yeah. But first. Should we do our little conversation? I right? think we should. I think we should too. Okay. Let's go. Let's do it. Little accomplishments, but big in our hearts. All right. Christiche. Yeah. What did you accomplish? I, I did a big thing. Because someone asked me of something, and that was their first mistake. <laughs> Never uh, asked anything of us. We had, a couple months ago, a pre-PA student. So someone who is wanting to get into PA school. A pre-A? A, a pre-A. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. 
stupid. <laughs> oh, it's adorable. Um, she very, very nice. I hope she gets in. And sometimes for a PA school, they ask that you shadow. I did the same thing. I shadowed a bunch of different PAs. Make sure you like the career uh, and go from there. And so she was shadowing us. And um, she asked me specifically, which was a mistake, to give her a letter of recommendation for her application because you need so many letters of recommendation and whatnot. And boy, oh boy, did I procrastinate this. Yeah. So fucking hard. And I didn't want to do it. And it's not that... I didn't like her. I think she's going to make a great PA. I gave her a glowing review. That's a hard task, It's though. a hard task. And the only reason I was able to do it was because, one, there was a deadline coming up. I was going to say, I hope she gave yeah. you a deadline. Yeah, yeah. And two, I was bullied by my coworkers for not getting it done. Nice. And they all told me that she wouldn't get into PA school solely because of me. And I, the guilt. That guilt works on yeah, you. Like it really a charm. does. And so I did it. And um, it was surprisingly easy. Yep. And um, like most tasks we put <laughs> off forever. <laughs> yeah. And I did it. Congratulations. I'm, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of you too. And I hope she gets in. I hope so too. And I so, hope it's your letter that really was the center. Yeah. So Megan, if you're out there, I think you're going to make a wonderful PA and good luck on your applications. I know that's a really grueling process. So good luck, Megan. I don't know if she listens. She probably doesn't. Probably not. She's busy with PA uh, school. Yeah. Pre-PA school. Pre-A school, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grace. Yes. Would, what did you accomplish? Well, I cleared off some of the front porch at our house. Woo! We there have, you go. We have this like nice, beautiful front porch that's like closed in. Totally closed in, yep. but with windows. Yeah. It's like a three-season room. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Tons of windows, and it's like a great spot. But of course, that's just kind of where boxes have ended up. When yep. we moved in, we just kind of like dumped extra stuff out there. Yep. And I've been meaning forever to clean it up. Actually, my mom came over once, like back in the fall, helped me clear off that whole porch. Both my parents did. We cleared off the whole porch, and then somehow Ian and I ended up with a whole nother load of stuff that we had to put on the porch and just like filled it right back up again. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do when you have that one space. It's like we don't really use the space day to day every yeah. day. But now that it's nice out, I do want to use that porch. Yeah. It's been too cold. You got to get some furniture out there. Yes. Because once the furniture's out. Well, first I had to clear it off. And so I spent like one day I just went into a hyper focus on a Sunday Spent hours and hours and hours throwing stuff away. Ugh. I threw away like two huge contractor bags worth of stuff. Ooh. I went through, I had a bunch of just, you know, when you end up with ADHD, you just end up with like bags of random bags things. Of stuff, throw it away. Ian and I are, I mean, we both have ADHD. Your doom piles. Yes, but they're like doom bags. Ian and I, God, we are the king and queen of doom bags. We have literally so many. Every single time we've moved, we've just like, shoved a bunch of shit in bags and sometimes we don't even open them when we get to the place yeah. we're moving to we just carry it off to the next place yeah i went through like a bunch of bags of just like old mail that we never opened oh. i'm like well that's useless now through that throw that away <laughs> uh you know just a bunch of stuff like that that's just taking up space and stressing me out and it's like there's gonna be a million things to go through and make decisions about i finally fucking did it i got rid of so many bags of just like mail and just papers and stuff that doesn't matter and we don't need to keep and yeah. i'm like the Front porch still is not fully cleared off. It's not like fully usable yet, but I made a huge dent in it and I Woo! can see the light and I just feel really proud of that. I'm really proud for you. Thank you. Proud, <laughs> proud for me. I'm proud for you. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, That's that's a huge thing. Slash I'm a little jealous because I really want to do that. We have 
we also have quite a bit of doom piles. We still have some boxes we haven't unpacked and the looming project is our garage that really needs to be cleared out. Mm. Doom piles are so hard because there's so many things in there that are like unknowns that you're going to have to make decisions about. And there's often not a place for those things to right. go. Right. That's why they're in the pile. Yeah. That's why they ended up in that pile or that bag where right. it's like, I don't know, miscellaneous. Right. So they're, yeah, they just feel like and such a hard task. You get like sidetracked and you're like, oh, what's this little side quest I'm about to go yep. on? And then you're like trying on these weird goggles in the mirror and you're like signing yeah. up for a swim class. Yeah. And it's like, no, nope, like, get on track. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Ian and I tried to do it together one day, tried to, like, go through the porch together one day. It's got to be. And we were just going down the rabbit hole, like, playing with stuff and trying things on. (laughs) Yeah. But we did it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. That's such a hard thing to do. Yeah. So I'm proud proud of of you. I'm proud of you. All right. Now I think it's officially time for us to get into the meat the of meat. this episode. Yeah. It is the meat. It is the meat. It is autism. And what is this meat? It's autism. <laughs> We've got a big meaty autistic episode for you. I hope you guys are excited. Yeah. Uh, get your fidgets and... Uh, get your comfy pants. Your sock yep. pants on. Yep. Socks on if you're in always socks. And socks off if you're in never socks. Yeah. Yeah. Like a never nude. A never a socks. Never yeah. nude. There are dozens of us. All right. So <laughs> first of all, before we dive in, I think I've said that like four times. Yeah. It's uh, been, it's, it's been just been like, it's been, oh, we're about to dive. And that's like, no, 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 no. One more thing. Side quest. Yeah. Get ready to dive. Nope. Not quite. But now we're, we're getting ready to dive. Put on your swim caps. We're I diving guess. now. And Let's go. But first, before no. we dive, don't jump yet. <laughs> God. Who let us have a podcast? I, you did. Yeah. I did. You did. That was a decision I made. Yep. I stand by it. All right. Uh, so first of all, whoever said on the Facebook page a long time ago, uh, someone commented. Am I? Who was it? I won't even guess names. Someone said it, and and whoever did, show yourself. Show yourself. No, I could have gone back through and found it, but I didn't. Uh, someone said on the Facebook page a long time ago that they said, "Grace, you're probably autistic because of the whole not wearing hard pants thing." Uh, among many other reasons, you know, and I just want to say you were right, obviously. Nailed it. Uh, so congratulations. You are part of what inspired us to finally do this episode. Yep. Um, because I think it's, you know, I think really... that's kazoo worthy. I think yeah. we should mail her kazoo. Oh, I thought you meant a little burr, burr, burr with oh. a kazoo. Well, I can do that too. Now you kind of have to, now that you've said it. Well, I think we should stop. (laughs) (laughs) Why was that so bad? (laughs) I'm out of practice. I think we need to stop promising people we're going to mail them kazoos because we still have not even sent Jane anything. That's right. From that's right. Half a year ago, 2023 to do list. Yeah, we'll see if it gets (laughs) done. Uh, But I guess thank you for pointing out the fact that I'm autistic. Uh, You were right. You were right. So, congrats because this is our official like coming out as autistic episode, I guess yeah. you could say. <laughs> and I've been just really thinking that we, you know how people, when you come out as gay, people talk about like being in the closet. And if it's like people could already tell that you were gay before you officially came out, people will use the expression like the closet was glass. I've never heard that expression. You haven't? It's so common. Is it? People will say it often about themselves. They'll describe all these different things that they did. And it's like, obviously looking back, duh, of course I was gay. So like the closet was glass. Everyone could see that I was gay except me. Mm-hmm. I think we need a term like that, but for neurodivergences, like mm-hmm. with autism, where it's like, 
lots of people knew that we were autistic. And we've both, you know, we've both always had that in the back of our heads of right. like, what if you're autistic? But I feel like there's so many factors that go into it, especially if you are femme presenting of like, why you write it off is like, no, 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 I don't think I could be autistic. But I do think for both of us, it's like the closet was glass. We're obviously autistic. The weighted blanket was clear. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> so yeah, I think we just need to like brainstorm some expressions. We'll, we'll figure, we'll get a good one. Yeah. So if you have a good expression for that, uh, let us know. Something like something to do with weighted blankets or, or uh, I don't know. We'll brainstorm. We'll we're figure not, it out. We're not good at coming up with things on the spot. No, no, that's <laughs> not our that's not our strong suit. No, sometimes, but not usually. All right. So now that we've officially dove in, we've taken our dive. Dove in. Yeah. Right. Is that the past tense of dove? Dived. We've dived. We in. dove in. Yeah. Now that we officially dove in, not dove in. Dovin isn't a word. It might be. It dove. Give me a second. He dove. Give me a second. <laughs> this says, I don't know. These rules, it's confusing. Hold on. No, we don't have time. We don't okay. have time. Now that we are in the water, we're in the fucking water. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, what is this? That's perfect. Yes. Now that we're in the water. We're in the water. <laughs> I wanted to start first by talking about the validity of self-diagnosis when it comes to autism. And then we're going to get into like the DSM traits and kind of talk more about the traits that we have noticed in ourselves. This, like we said, this is going to be part one of many because we have so much to say about this topic. It's like the floodgates have opened. Yep. And now we're never going to stop talking about autism because it's really important to talk about autism in addition to ADHD. Once we're in the wet, we're going to stay in the wet. Oh, yeah. We're we wet are, forever. We're so wet. <laughs> forever <laughs> we're never coming out now that we've dove in we're never oh, coming out i hate it okay <laughs> okay uh but also adhd looks very different than just adhd or just autism in itself and so we're also going to do you know a second or third part to talk about that as well of like what is the specific profile of adhd because I, that's another thing that tripped me up for so long of realizing that i'm also autistic is I feel like the autistic traits are often presented and talked about as if like just on their own in terms of like pure, unadulterated, just autism. Right. And when you throw the ADHD in there, it looks very different than just autism on its own. So I think right. it's really important to it's make- It's like mixing colors. Sure. Yeah. Yellow and blue are very different colors. And green is also a very different color. That's a great example. And so we are green, and I feel I like know been, my colors. <laughs> you do. You know basic color theory. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we'll do other episodes where we talk about that. But for now, we kind of just wanted to like like dip our foot leg into the autism pool. Yeah, and, and our tootsies wet. Yeah. So I know there's like a lot of discourse in the neurodivergent community about the validity of self-diagnosis versus like getting an official diagnosis. And we've talked before about why there are so many different barriers to getting an ADHD diagnosis. And the same goes for autism. And also on top of that, there are some factors in having an official autism diagnosis that can actually like make things dangerous for you or can prohibit you from being able to do certain things, move to certain countries. And so I think it's really important to talk about self-diagnosis as being valid. We also know there's a lot of like ableism um, when it comes to diagnosing people with autism. And just because you go see a psychiatrist, go see a psychiatrist, <laughs> meet a psychiatrist, <laughs> go see one anyway. I'm not going. Oh, I don't know the song. Oh, 
it's from. I a... know of the song. I just don't know the. I'm not very good at remembering the words. That's okay. That's what I'm here for. Okay. So even if like you do have the resources to go see a psychiatrist, that doesn't even necessarily mean that you will get that diagnosis because there's so much misinformation. There's so much ableism. There's just a lot of like confusion about autism, especially if you're a woman or you're female presenting or, or femme fem presenting. Yes. Or non-binary or a person of color. That's what I was going to yes. say. Yeah. Yeah. There are lots of different categories of people that they're like, nope, couldn't possibly be autism. You're right. not a little white boy who loves trains. I was just about to say that. Because <laughs> that's such a stereotypical such example. A stereotypic and we see the same thing in ADHD mm. where a lot of women in the BIPOC community and anybody else who isn't a bouncing baby boy, <laughs> yep. a bouncing baby white boy um, <laughs> is like dismissed. Yes. And actually, I have this written down on my list. So I don't know why I'm trying to just like you got a lot written down here. Yeah, I do. We have a bit to go through. Okay, yeah. So like we've said, it's expensive, difficult to access. There are long waiting lists to get diagnosed or get tested. It could be like thousands of dollars to get tested. Oh, my God. And also like the DSM standards and the tests that they're using for autism, like I don't, I don't know. I don't think they encompass the full experience of what it means to be autistic. So it's like they're not even going off like fully valid testing, which many autistic people say that like, the test questions are not really written for our brains. No, they're written by neurotypicals. Yes, to like categorize our behavior from the outside. And right. it feels very different to be inside an right. autistic brain. And also there's, you know, like we said, it's, there's lots of barriers, misogyny, racism, bigotry, misogyny, racism, and bigotry all together. Classism, ableism, ignorance in the medical community. Like there are so many reasons why it's really hard to get an autism diagnosis. Um, also, the tests are made by white neurotypical men, and the study subjects have historically been little white boys. So the diagnostic criteria is very much not representative of everyone else's experiences. And up until 2013, you couldn't have a diagnosis of both ADHD and autism at the same time, what? which is wild because we're now learning that you're actually more likely to have both of them than just one or the other. So it's actually like kind Green of- Green is more common than red or yellow. Oh, damn it. Blue, blue, blue or, yellow. or yellow. I don't know my colors. <laughs> you were colors. just bragging about knowing your I, colors. <laughs> I take yeah. back what I said. Exactly. So like we're actually finding that to be ADHD is much more common than just like pure autism alone or just pure ADHD alone. And so the profile of ADHD was pretty much like erased up until recently, where if you already had a diagnosis of autism, they're not even probably going to see you for an ADHD diagnosis, which is so crazy because like, why couldn't those exist at the same time? It's such a silly I, reason, I don't like know. I don't understand. But anyways, those are, you know, just some of many barriers to getting an official diagnosis. And people, lots of people say that like neurotypical people don't spend hours and hours and hours researching whether or not they're autistic. So like if you have spent time researching and wondering if you're autistic and not just like you saw a TikTok and you're like, oh, I wonder if that's me. But if you're genuinely like, have been looking into autistic creators, have been like reading about autism, learning about autism and like questioning. Taking all the tests online. Yes, taking tests, questioning your own traits. There's a pretty solid chance that you are autistic and neurotypical people don't really like think about that. So it's not like we're all out here taking autism tests and some of us are autistic and some aren't. We're not. I think most people who are taking a self-diagnosis autism test are probably autistic. Because it's very autistic to even want to like categorize people like that, I feel like, which is me. I always want to like figure people's brains out. 
Which I've got a running list. I've diagnosed everybody in my office. I love diagnosing uh, people because it's I, pattern, it's telling, pattern it's recognition. It's just kind of in like yes, we shouldn't tell people. No, although, I'm not telling them, but I'm just like I knew it. But also, you know, they've done a study that shows that neurotypical people recognize autistic people within like 0.1 seconds of interacting with them. Even if they don't know what they're picking up on, they'll pick up on the fact that like something's off about this person. Like something's Mm. weird about them. I just, for some reason, I just don't like them and I don't know why. It's autism. That's why. (laughs) Uh, And so I feel like neurotypicals are all walking around identifying us. So why aren't we also allowed to like walk around and identify those that will be like like safe people for us, you know? I feel like I do walk around and I'm like, oh, one of us. Oh, I do too. One of us. And that's kind of like the whole premise that this podcast started on is weirds of a feather that we do flock together. And when like with ADHD, we realize everyone around us is ADHD. Now this is the next phase of that where now we finally accepted and realized that we are ADHD. And now it's like, now I realize everyone around me is ADHD, you know? Yay. Yay. All right. So a couple of the dangers of having an official autism diagnosis, because especially in America, not to get too political, but like we're falling into fascism. It's and not looking good for us. Yes. So it's kind of end stage capitalism has never looked worse. Yep. And uh, the Holocaust really kind of kicked off with a lot of, you know, dangerous, violent ableism towards disabled people, autistic people, Mm. the LGBTQIA plus community, obviously Jewish people and people of color. And it's happening again. Yep. Um, And trans people are big at the forefront of that right now in America, you know, where we're restricting access for trans people to make like medical decisions about their own bodies. And especially if you have an autism diagnosis in certain states, and I'm sure other countries around the world, you're like restricted from making certain medical decisions about your own medical care and your own body, like beyond what just like trans people in general are restricted from. On top of that, there's another layer if you're autistic where doctors will question you, they will infantilize you, they Mm. will stop you from making medical decisions that they think like aren't the right decisions for yourself and it comes with just so much ableism about like intelligence levels and it can be really dangerous you know where it's like they will not let you make the medical decisions that you need there are certain countries that won't let you move there if you have an autism diagnosis new zealand yep come on what's up new zealand you were doing so well yeah uh i think australia is on that list too oh really yep and I'm sure plenty of other countries. Are we on that list as um, America? I would think We're like, yes. you can come in if you're autistic, but if you're black, <laughs> probably. I don't know. I don't know how the immigration process works here. Yeah, I guess it... I've heard it's not well. Oh, no, it's not great. And I'm sure, yeah. I mean, because in America, like, you know, those restrictions about medical decisions, and I think things like having your driver's license, there are cert- like there are certain places... If you are diagnosed as autistic, you have to like retake your driver's license test, even though you could be 95 years old and crashing into mailboxes every day and they won't make you retake it. Yeah. My (sighs) grandfather, (laughs) we don't have time for this. (laughs) We don't have time. We don't have time. Um, Another day. Okay. You know, in plenty of places, you can be barred from adopting children, from holding certain jobs, um, just lots of things like that. There are plenty of other examples that I'm not thinking of right now that um, they can restrict you if you have an autism diagnosis. And that co- that goes for a lot of other disabilities too. So I want to make sure that we're like also talking about how this is like a disability problem in general. And so, you know, I don't think it's wrong if you want to get an autism diagnosis. Everyone has their different reasons. And, you know, I guess there are 
certain accommodations you can get if you're autistic, not really in the adult world, but maybe if you're still in school. People always talk about stealing resources from actually autistic people, but there aren't really that many resources. Yeah, that's, it's funny because there are no resources yeah. for... So if you don't feel the need to get officially diagnosed and you want to refer to yourself as autistic and you've like, you know, done some like legitimate research, not like Facebook research or whatever the fuck when people say do your own research, like read, you know, peer reviewed research articles and have like listened to people in the autistic community and you've like really looked at your own traits and you really identify with them and you identify with the struggles of being autistic, then like I don't think there's anything wrong with self-diagnosis, especially because it doesn't really harm people, you know, unless you're going around saying I'm autistic, so I'm allowed to, you know, be a piece of shit. Right. I don't think accommodating yourself as if you have an autistic brain, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And people are so underdiagnosed when it comes to autism, especially ADHD too, but especially autism, it's even worse. There are millions and millions of us out there who are undiagnosed and like, we can't all get in to see the doctor and get this official diagnosis. So like something has to be done in the meantime. And we mm -hmm. have to be able to accommodate ourselves. We have to be able to advocate for ourselves. And just, I think taking on that label for yourself helps you finally like come to term with these certain traits that maybe you've always felt ashamed of your whole life. Right. I also think like when it comes to like doing your own research and everything, I don't think there's anybody who's like faking an autism diagnosis you know no like because people, why would you fake why that? would you fake people that? are like, monstrous to autistic people that's my yeah that's my point too is like who is like everyone's like you'll hear people say oh well that's just like a trend to be autistic is like a trend. trend it's like who would want that do you right. realize how we treat autistic people it's like not good no so i don't know who would be like oh well it's just trendy to have autism so i'm just gonna take on this identity <laughs> yeah identity i'm it's trendy to cry because your socks don't fit well. <laughs> yeah. In this country, autism is really glamorized. And yeah. so I just really <laughs> want to be seen as autistic so I can be infantilized. <laughs> like, it's just silly when people act like, oh, it's a trend and everyone's autistic these days. It's like, like or, yeah, or we haven't had the way to identify most people and the criteria is not made for most people. All right. So let's get into some of those autism yeah. traits. Well, before, hold on. Uh, hold on. Uh, uh. I know we're already into it, but before we get into the traits, yeah. I, I just want to like review a couple of things. Um, and I want to make sure that everybody knows the term Asperger's is no longer in use because it was created by Nazis. Womp, womp. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, just to clarify, we don't like. Yeah. We're um, sorry we have to say this, but yeah. we're very anti Nazi here. Anti Nazi if you here tell. at the Wolf. Yeah. Um, if you have a problem with that, you're a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> and you should probably seek help. Yeah. Uh, so, specifically, Hans Asperger, who through eugenics, woo woo, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's another womp womp. <laughs> Determined that some autistic people were both worth saving because they were still able to contribute to capitalism and therefore more valuable than other autistic people. So it's like, uh, it's just, it's a lot of eugenics. It's a lot of ableism. It's a lot, a lot. Um, so the same goes with like functioning labels. Like you might hear high functioning autism and low functioning autism because that's what people used to say. And those are also eugenics based terms that categorize autistic people for based on how well they can function into society um, and how well they can contribute to capitalism. So so let's not say those anymore. There is no Asperger's 
syndrome, right? I think they called it. I yeah. don't know. It doesn't matter because we're not using yes. that anymore. And we're not saying high functioning versus low functioning. We're not doing it. Yep. So don't. And if you were diagnosed with Asperger's, because I know that they were up until recently still diagnosing people like with the term Asperger's and in other countries, they still use that. But if you are like, well, that's what I was diagnosed with. And you're like really clinging on to that identity. Like I get that, you know, where I'm sure having that label helped you come to terms with what's going on. But I also think it's important to reflect like why it's important for you to distinguish your autism from other people's autism and just kind of look at how ableism is intertwined into like needing to make that distinction because Asperger's essentially means that you're like, quote unquote, high functioning, aka able to like mask in society and like be valuable to capitalism is really what it comes down to is like, are you like the... I just, I don't want to tell anyone how to identify, but I think it's really important to like look inward at like, if you are clinging to that Asperger's label, why, why you feel it's important to distinguish yourself from like other autistic people, you know? Right. And and if you use these terms like high functioning, low functioning Asperger's and didn't know, mm. that's okay. Yeah. We're all But learning. now you know. So it's, it's, I guess sometimes it can be confusing because as we learn more things, um, as as a people, you know, this is this is how medicine works. Mm. We, you know, we learn more things, so then we label things differently. And so now that you know better, use the correct terms. Yeah, when we know better, we can do better. Right. So what are the correct terms? Yep. So instead of uh, you know talking about functioning labels, we now say like needs high support or needs low support, and. You can also use the three levels to talk about autism. So like level three is requires very substantial support. Level two is requires substantial support. And then level one is requires support. So and I think that's interesting that even level one like requires support. Like we all mm, yes. need support. Yeah, exactly. We so level help. one is like, you know, you need them. You need lower supports than level two and level three. But you still do need supports because society is not built for us and it's not built for our brains and we all need some type of support even if like even if it's not like a communication device or something like that all right so the dsm criteria i think it's just before i go into these i think it's really important to remember that like we've already said and like with adhd the diagnostic criteria was created basically uh mostly based off of little white boys and it's not fully representative of everyone who is autistic so that's part of why it's so important for people to like have access to things like tiktok where they can hear real life people talk about their real lived experiences and especially people who aren't often represented in the mainstream you know mm-hmm. Because we're not hearing those experiences from like a black trans woman or, you know, whatever. And I think it's really, really valuable to hear not just like a list of symptoms or whatever, but hear like the internal experience of someone with autism just going through like day-to-day things and the problems that they run into. So I think that's been really helpful for like fully coming to terms with and like understanding my autism is hearing people talk about those day-to-day experiences. And also remember that like ADHD, the autism spectrum is not a straight line from like more autistic to less autistic. It's a pie chart of what traits you have and which ones are most prominent and like what you have more of and everyone's autism looks very different. So I think that's another really important thing to kind of change your thinking about where autism isn't going to look the same and it's just more severe in some people. It's going to look very different from person to person depending on like how much of each pie chunk you have. 
Right. And I think that's why things like like TikTok are so important for people to hear because you do hear those like lived experiences Mm. and you get to see different perspectives firsthand rather than like someone telling you like, oh, you don't meet these like four things. So nope. Exactly. And you get to see like how they play out as opposed to just hearing a description of them. Especially people for autism who have a very literal brain. They yep. need to like literally see what's happening here. So yep. I think it's, it's, it is really important. And, and I think for a very long time, I also thought that uh, the autistic spectrum was a straight line. So Me too. now that I have been educated that it is a pie chart, which I think we should go into on a later episode. Okay. What is the pie chart? What is pie? Uh, <laughs> what is pie? Um, but I am all done talking. <laughs> okay. And now that you're all done talking, yeah. let me get into these DSM criteria. Yes. I, I couldn't think of a segue, yeah. a segment, a transition. <laughs> you're doing, a ju- you're doing great. <laughs> I think we're both knocking this one out of the yeah. park. All right. Best episode yet. Yep. Yep. So to meet the diagnostic criteria for autism spectrum disorder, according to the DSM-5, child you must be a child you you have to be a child yep. no adults have autism nope which right there is you know problem number one with the dsm criteria <laughs> the red flag number one yeah so yeah i guess you grow out of it at 18 your brain's yep. all done with you're autism like, oh, there you go now your you're neurotypical gone. Yep. it's been cured it's been cured oh we found a cure it was age yeah hitting the legal age of when you become an adult for yep. some reason you got it. All right. So a child must have persistent deficits in each of the three areas of social communication and interaction, plus at least two of four types of restricted repetitive behaviors. So for social communication and interaction, persistent deficits in social communication and interaction across multiple contexts as manifested by the following currently or by history. That's confusing. I don't like the way that's written. I'm, I, sh- I should have summarized that. Essentially, these ha- these uh, social communication deficits have to occur across multiple contexts. Okay. And uh, they have to have been present, like, across your whole life. Just like with ADHD, where they have to okay. have been present for at least six months. It can't be something where, like, you know, and it's hard because we don't have awareness of ourselves sometimes. Right. So it's like, have I always struggled with this? And I just have masked it and come up with strategies. But, you know, something like, a, you know, you have a TBI, like a traumatic brain injury, and mm-hmm. then you start presenting with this, that would be different from autism. Right. Right. essentially what it says. So A, deficits, having deficits in social emotional reciprocity, uh, ranging from an abnormal social approach, like <laughs> this episode's going to go on for so long, but um, what is an abnormal social approach? According to who? Yes. <laughs> it's neurotypicals. They decide what's normal and what's failure abnormal. failure of the normal, I'm reading the reds. Failure of the normal back and forth conversation. We have back and forth conversation all the time. Yes, but, and that's the problem. It's we're having it with each other between two autistic people and not an autistic person and a neurotypical person. Yep. So deficits in, yeah, having that back and forth conversation, uh, reduced sharing of interests, emotions, or affect, uh, failure to initiate or respond to social interactions. This I'm annoyed is, already. Yes. That's such a hard one for so many reasons. I'm annoyed reasons. already. I'm like, I'm like, ugh. Yes. Yep. But uh, one term that I'm picking up in there that really is important is that flat affect, like having a reduced affect. Affect Mm. means like how you present emotions on your face. And not all autistic people, remember it's a pie, but a lot of autistic people kind of have a flatter affect where you're not able to maybe read their emotions based on how their face looks and how their voice sounds. Like even if they're excited, you might not see it on their face. 
I see. Okay. Deficits in nonverbal communicative behaviors that are used for social interaction, ranging from poorly integrated verbal and nonverbal communication to abnormalities in eye contact and body language, or deficits in understanding and use of gestures to to a total lack of facial expressions and nonverbal communication. Nonverbal communication is another really difficult one where it's like, if you're not picking up on them, how can you know that you're missing them? And if you're surrounded by all neurodivergent people, who, you think that you're picking up on nonverbal communication, but you're picking up on neurodivergent nonverbal communication and not allistic nonverbal communication. So like, once again, who decides the standard? I know right. it's neurotypicals. And like, why is that the norm that we're basing everything else on? It's frustrating. Oh, I'm upset. I know. Sorry. I'm upset. Yep. I don't, I don't like this. Uh, but I think the eye contact one is a really prominent one that, and we're, we're going to talk next episode, I think when we talk about ADHD, we're going to talk about how autism and ADHD, they can have some like behavioral overlaps in how they look, but like the reason why they happen is very different. And there are a lot of autistic traits that, you know, we've talked about in the past, we've ascribed them to ADHD traits, even in like articles they'll describe different ad they'll describe different autistic traits as being adhd traits and so that's one of many reasons why it's hard to like identify that there's also autism there and eye contact is one of those things that i'm almost positive difficulties with eye contact are just autism not adhd and that was one of the things one of the red flags i don't want to call it red flags it was an autism flag for me that i don't like eye contact and i've struggled with it mm. but i feel like when i looked it up and looked into it because i was like huh is this like the fun thing that's finally going to make me accept that I am autistic. But whenever I looked it up, it was like, this can also be present in ADHD. So then I was like, oh, well, it must just be ADHD. And I feel like there's so many traits like that because uh, autism is so underdiagnosed, way more so than ADHD, that we have just, and we've done this on this podcast too, which is why we wanted to do this episode. And, you know, we've been wanting to do this for a while, but it's one of those things where, you know, it's very personal and it's, there's so much information, but... I think it's really important for us to discuss what is actually autism and what we were categorizing as ADHD and like, you know, the general yeah. public was also categorizing as ADHD because it can be so important for someone to like suss those out and realize that they're also autistic. So eye contact, I guess, I don't think difficulties with the eye contact are part of ADHD. Those are purely autism and like your brain perceiving direct eye contact as a threat, which I definitely do. All right, and then also in this category, you also have to have deficits in developing, maintaining, and understanding relationships, ranging from difficulties in adjusting behavior to suit various Whoa. social contacts, to difficulties in sharing imaginative play or in making friends, to an absence of interest in peers. Yet again, what another- What if your peers are boring? Or what if, what if your peers are all neurodivergent and then you have a big group of friends, but they're all neurodivergent, right. which is what happened to us. Yeah. Like growing up, we always had lots of friends. You're like, what are you talking about? I have lots of friends. Yeah. So I was always like, they're oh. all weird. Yeah. They're all <laughs> fucking weird. They're weird. But because this, you know, because this diagnostic criteria just says like, you must have no friends to be autistic, essentially. Like you have difficulty with maintaining relationships. I was always like, well, I've always had a lot of actually really good, strong friendships that have lasted like throughout my entire life. Mm -hmm. Like lots of them. Not to brag, <laughs> but no. But now I realize that like all of my closest friends are ADHD, yes. like you, you know. The ones I've like kept in touch with. Yes. And so I feel like that's also really confusing 
I feel like just that's that's just confusing and it's incorrect. You know, it's just because you're autistic doesn't mean you, you know, you don't have you're any friends. Social. Just maybe you're not friends with neurotypical people. Right. Or if you're not around, if you don't have cool neurodivergent people, maybe you don't have friends and that's okay too, you know? But I don't think it's just like you're antisocial. I think it's probably that people in general are hard for us to like vibe with if they're not also neurodivergent. So if I grew up with just all neurotypical peers, I bet I would have been like the freak in my class, you know? Right, right. But I grew up with a bunch of other freaks. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm normal. We're totally fine. Yeah, I got lots of friends. Everybody does this, right? Yeah. So those are the social communication and interaction deficits, which we have a lot of problems with, as you can tell. And it just sucks. And it reeks of ableism, you know, because... Right. I, why are neurotypical like adjusting behavior to suit various social contexts? Like, I feel like it's that's just all like we do. Ableism. Yes. Like, I have to adjust my behavior. I mean, everybody- and if you if you won't adjust your behavior, then you must have something wrong with you. Yes. And also, I do feel like we are and like the ultimate chameleons. We do adjust right. our behavior, which is not always get possible. It right. Yeah. And like behaviors, as in like eye contact and like forcing facial expressions and small talk small talk and stuff like that not like i'm adjusting my behavior because i'm not like murdering you in your face you know that's different that's that's yes. another topic for like another per- day. okay here's a yeah. good example like professionalism yes and respecting hierarchy uh, neurotypical yes. people really respect hierarchy it's like how they're you know because their brains are good at like prioritizing things that are a priority i think hierarchy falls into that where it's like this person is the boss so of course i'm gonna like defer to them and i'm gonna act like subservient to them because they're above me right neurodivergent brains and especially autistic brains do not give a fuck about that at fuck all the hierarchy i respect people who are worthy of respect i agree i don't respect you just inherently because you're above me in the hierarchy and i've never now that i looking back there have probably been many times where i've come across as super rude to bosses because i'm not following these rules i'm just talking to you like another person i'm not talking to you like you are above me and i don't see people that way but that's how neurotypical people expect you to behave socially right and so if you're not like changing your behavior based on who you're talking to, I guess that's bad. (laughs) Whereas in my mind, I'm like, isn't it good that I talk to everyone the same way and I shouldn't have to like adjust? I mean, you know, within reason. on the same playing field. Yeah. But I guess guess you're judging the person for the person themselves, not for their position in life. Yes. You know, and that's, that's the different thinking. Whereas... I guess the holistic people, yeah, they do have these hierarchies. And it's not just like at work. It's, you know, social hierarchies too. Yep. Oh, here's a little one that I learned that apparently I've been doing my wrong my whole life. Apparently, based on this hierarchy, when let's say you're, you get to work late and a coworker asks why you're late. In that situation, it's okay for you to explain why you're late and give them your reason. Mm-hmm. If it's a boss and someone above you on the hierarchy, if they ask why you're late, apparently just learn this. So sorry to all my bosses out there that have hated this about me. If they are above you in the hierarchy and they ask why you're late, they don't want an explanation. They want you to say sorry. Which, like, why are you asking me for an explanation if you're going to tell me I'm coming up with excuses and you're going to be mad at me? Don't ask me then. It's fucking stupid. Right. Right. And there is an example of literal thinking. Although, once (laughs) again, we're just not playing games. If you wanted me to say sorry, don't ask me for an explanation and then get mad when I provide an explanation. (laughs) Right. 
I think, I, I mean, maybe because we are autistic, it's much easier to communicate with the autistic community. Yes. Because everybody's, everybody's literal. They say what they mean. There's no bullshitting. Yes. There's no, like, hidden coded messages. Yeah. So, well, I'm rightfully upset yeah. um, by um, the DSM-5 yet again. <laughs> what? A- Nothing but disappointment. Yeah. I, why am I not surprised? Another thing that really kind of, like, made it click in my brain for me that, like, oh, I'm autistic is I saw someone on TikTok describe, talking about social skills, and that's mm-hmm. really a big thing that always caught me up. But she was saying she described autistic social skills as a manual process versus an automatic process. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think you yeah. can say that about a lot of things. Yes, I love yes. that analogy. I, I, I told that to one of the surgeons I work with when I was discussing dyslexia, mm. like reading I can read. This is very difficult. Yeah. Um, and... I think the same thing goes with like executive function and like you can mm. do a task, but the process is difficult. Yeah. And it's taking so much effort and, and energy. same with social skills. I love this analogy. Yep. Yeah. Because like you can learn all the social rules by watching people and like figuring out how you're supposed to behave. And right. so maybe you can mask. Which I think we did. Yes. Yeah. Like I do think I'm pretty decent at masking, although who knows? Maybe I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I think you're great. <laughs> yeah. Well, your yeah. opinion isn't really helpful here. <laughs> I'm just better than you. Oh, great. She's so sociable. No, you're just worse. <laughs> just so much worse. But yeah, I that was one of those things that I was always like, well, I feel like I, you know, catch social skills. But like, first of all, how do you know you're missing social skills if you're missing social skills? Like, how do you know you're missing these nonverbal communicative attempts if you're not picking up on them? Of course, you're not going to realize you're missing them. And also, yeah, I feel like that manual process is so me where I can figure out the right thing to do but it's not it doesn't inherently come naturally to me I had to like learn them and like really internalize them and kind of be rigid about them right which is why I also get mad about other people breaking rules that I feel like I've been shamed into following I'm following the rules so you should too. yes I have to do this bullshit so you do too and that rigidity is autism Getting mad about other people not following rules. Um, well, should we talk about like restrictive, repetitive patterns of behavior yes. and stuff like that and rigidity and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> so the next category of areas uh, where you have to, what criteria do you have to meet? Okay. So I think you have to have persistent deficits in each of those three social communication areas. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have at least two of the four types of restricted repetitive behaviors. Okay. So those are... So this is restricted repetitive patterns of behavior, interests or activities. So stereotyped or repetitive motor movements, use of objects or speech. So that's like stimming, like we've talked about. Yeah. So this could be uh, like a stereotype example of lining up your toys as a little kid, like lining things up instead of playing with them, which I know you did, Kristen. Yeah, I did that a lot. So like maybe a kid who will set up the play but won't actually engage in it. They just want to Well, sometimes it takes it. so long to set up that you don't get time to play. But sometimes you just want to the set setting up. up is the playing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. <laughs> like making a spreadsheet but not actually using it, you know? Right. I'll make right. a spreadsheet, but I won't use it. So having like echolalia like we've talked about where I will like uh repeat quotes or phrases like over and over and over. Or I'll repeat what you say yes. over and over and over. Yes, you will repeat after, you will repeat what I said like immediately, immediately after. Immediately after. Yes. 
uh, we've talked about stims before, but those, you know, those repetitive motor movements, like a big one for me that I now realize is autism is like my nail flicking, you know, like repetitive nail flicking, which Ian hates. And ADHD can have stims too, but I think the, I guess we can talk about it on a different episode, but the, 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 I think the stims with ADHD are to like increase that dopamine and yeah. to get that, you know, burst of like energy out. Um, whereas autism, it's more of like a calming, yeah. like centering behavior. Yes. So like um, I think like picking out my cuticles is like dopamine seeking, like pretty ADHD dopamine seeking. Yeah. But I think like flicking my nails repetitively over and over, that's like an autistic stim. Yeah. So for me, I do a lot of leg bouncing and jiggling. Yes. But, and that's very much to like, I have just so much energy and I have, uh, or not energy, but I have a hard time sitting still. Yep. Um, but then sometimes I like to twist my hair around my finger so yep. tight that it cuts the circulation off. Yep. <laughs> and then I autism. hold it there until it's like too painful to bear and then I release it. Um, and that's, that's, uh, probably, it feels nice <laughs> for me and apparently that's autism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so different, the, the, the end product, what you're trying to achieve out of the behavior is different. Yes. Yeah, I think sensory-based stims are much more like autism because another thing I've learned is that another thing that we talk about as being ADHD and autism is actually like primarily autism is having like intense sensory needs. Mm. That is, if you have like intense sensory needs to the point where it like stops you from doing certain things or like prevents you from doing things or you have to do things a certain way, like that's most likely autism. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then another... uh, category in this whole restricted repetitive patterns of behavior is an insistence on sameness, inflexible adherence to routines or ritualized patterns of verbal or nonverbal behavior. So for example, like extreme distress at small changes, difficulties with transitions, rigid thinking patterns, greeting rituals, needing to take the same route or eat the same food every day. Which, yes, that is both of us. Yes to all of the above. Yes. Yeah, we're really. We're pretty rigid. Um, yeah, we're pretty rigid, both of us. Yes. Um, but I feel like that is always labeled as like you're very particular or you're just like especially know, a bitch in or something. Women, <laughs> yes. In women, they're like, oh, well, she's picky. Yeah, she's just picky. She's just picky. But like, no, it's the tism. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like distress at small changes. Yes. Krista, we've talked about this with you before where you get, you're really upset by like a plan changing. Yeah, a change in the plan. Like we we changed the restaurant. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not mentally prepared for that. Like maybe I have to go to a different part of town. And that mental preparation is mm-hmm. scripting, which is another thing I learned oh. that we were taking too literally where scripting doesn't just mean you're like, planning out how a conversation is going to go and they say this and I say that and then they're going to say this I'll say that I was always but like it can well, be. I yeah it can, it can be. be like that but that is kind of like a more stereotypical idea of what scripting is scripting can also be all those little things that you plan out in your brain of how you're going to get to this like just all the tiny little details to like go over in your brain and make sure that you're going to like be able to do each one you know of like like Lily Lily will look up different houses on on uh, Google Maps to like if she's going to go Google. pick if she's yeah if she's going to go pick something up for Facebook Marketplace she'll like put that the person's house into Google Maps so she like knows where to go what door to go to like where mm. to park that's all scripting 
And uh, I took scripting to be very literal, of course, because I'm yeah. autistic, of like, oh, well, I'm not planning out conversations. But all those, all that little work that you're doing to figure things out, it makes sense why if the plan changes, you're totally thrown off because the script has changed. Right, and you haven't right. had time to make revisions. Now you have to make your revisions. <laughs> That's such a great term. Right? Uh, my revisions. Our revisions. Yes. Yep. Um, I get wildly upset if the plan changes. Like... This happens at work sometimes where a particular surgeon who shall remain nameless na- nameless, likes to add on surgeries on my clinic day, which oh. causes me to have to cancel my clinic and reschedule all those patients. And, and, and it happens because these people need surgery, but like my... I get to work. I have my my tasks every day. On Tuesday, we do this. On Wednesday, we do this. Thursday is clinic day, and Friday is a different day. Um, and now the script has changed, and I have mm. to change things. And it's really not – it's difficult. It sucks for the patients because they have to, like, pick a different day and everything. But my day is, like, not ruined, but I'm very upset. And, like, mm. she's gotten to the point – because I told her make me it makes me upset, so she'll tell me like weeks in advance, which is mm. kind of nice. Nice when she can. Sometimes yeah. it it can't be done, and it's just an emergency, and it sucks. But well, that's an accommodation that you are advocating for yourself. Of hey, I have a really hard time with these last minute changes. Could you give me a heads up whenever possible? Like, right. That's a simple accommodation that you are making for yourself. That like right. Most people should respect because it's something that your brain needs. It's, right. Right. So, but it's like. Like when she first, like it just happened this week and she told me and I was just like wildly angry where I needed to just like not, like I had to like go and do something else because I couldn't even focus on like moving those patients. Mm. I was so upset by it. I was like, I can't fucking believe it. And like, obviously, (laughs) if it's like an add on like this, it's something very important and the patient really needed this surgery. But like. That doesn't help in the moment, though, because you're not like, well, logically, this makes sense, so I guess I'm okay with it. And like, my no. poor coworkers are like, we'll just move them. We'll move them. It's fine. It's fine. I was so upset that John actually moved all my patients for me. Oh, <laughs> He was like, why don't, why don't I do this? Nice. He's well, very nice to me. Um, well, in that situation, so upset. too, it's not just about the script. It's also how much executive functioning is going to be required of you to like, right. have to fucking reschedule right. all these people. I have to reschedule all these people. Where are they going to go in and... and when am I going to see him and who needs to be seen now and who can wait later? And it's just, it, it was, yeah, it's a, uh, it sucks. Yeah. And it took John probably five minutes to do it. <laughs> well, that's great. And you're you know, like, damn it. it. But, and it's also, I feel guilty because basically he ended up seeing all those patients instead of me, but whatever. Anyway. I yes. also, I think regulation has a, plays a big part in that too, because it takes so much to keep us regulated. Mm -hmm. It's like how Chris Traeger says that my body is a microchip and the tiniest grain of sand can like throw everything out of whack. We need so many things to stay regulated and like be in a good place to be able to like go into a fucking six hour surgery or like be able to get our work done or Mm -hmm. whatever, go for a run. It, like, I feel like there's so many things that we have to do to prepare to make sure that our needs are all taken care of. And changing the plan comes with, like, a change in how am I going to make sure my needs are taken care of. Right. Can I can I give another example? Sure. Do we have the time? We don't, but let's do it anyways. Um, and then I'll regret it later. So Tuesday is my OR day. I go to the OR. I can OR all day. That's my one day. Um, so I come in in the morning. We have our little morning meeting. 
and then we round, and then I go to OR. That is what happens every Tuesday. That is my Tuesday. Yep. One day, we had to get, like, professional photos, which interrupted my day. Like, it didn't flow in the morning, and I was so upset for the rest of the day that I didn't, I wasn't doing well in surgery. Like, I just, I, like, had to, like... I just had to focus so much harder because my like my regular day was interrupted. It was something different and it was something mm. I didn't want to do because oh. I don't like I had to dress up. I couldn't just show up in like sweatpants like I usually do. Yeah, that makes uh, it so I, much worse when it's not right. just a change, but it's now you have to do something, something you, that I really, really hate. That you have to do a lot of mental prep to like get right. yourself to do. I had to wear makeup. Ugh. So many things. I do wear makeup to work, but like I had to wear more than usual. Yep. I had to think about it. Yep. I had to pretend to smile. And I was even instructed multiple times by the photographer to smile more or look like I'm happy to be there. Fuck you. No, no. It, I saw some of the outtakes. It, it was. <laughs> he was right. He was right. <laughs> there was one where you're just doing, you're like, your lips are curled up like a smile, but your face is sad. Yep. <laughs> it wasn't good. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it, like, ruined my day. And I kept thinking, like, why am I not happy today? Why mm. is my favorite day not a good day? And mm. I realized it was because it was interrupted. Yep. And it's so important to like recognize that in yourself and not shame yourself for it and understand that like this is why this is happening. And mm -hmm. like that's a huge thing for your brain and you're not being silly. It's not you're not like being like child, like throwing a tantrum because there's been a change in plans. It's like, no, your brain is react. Your nervous system is reacting to that as if it's like a threat. Right. And so, of course, you know, you're going to have this. It's going to be dysregulating to you because it's dysregulating. It's so dysregulating. Yep. I hate it. I do, too. All right. Next one. Next one. Still in this uh, restrictive repetitive patterns. Yeah. Um, having highly restricted fixated interests that are abnormal in intensity or focus. Like, fuck you for using the word abnormal. Abnormal. But these are essentially like... Sorry, uh, I just have a hobby. Yeah. These are like special interests. So okay. like a strong attachment to or a preoccupation with unusual objects excessively... What's unusual? Or just like having like really intense interests, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, once again, what is unusual? I just feel like... But essentially it's like having, you know, that special a special interest is something that you have carried over like a very long period of time. It doesn't right. have to be your whole life and they can come and go, but uh, having like a really strong attachment, I guess, to this topic or object or whatever, you know? I feel like without these very strong interests, like how, like if Isaac Newton wasn't like obsessed with math, we probably wouldn't, or in physics, we probably wouldn't have like Newton's laws of physics, you know? Like, yeah, but Newton was probably autistic. Yes, that's why I'm saying like, Oh, I know. They're, they're, why are they unusual interests when I feel like they've definitely, like, these strong interests have probably helped led to the development of the modern world and what we know. Yes, but they are unusual in the sense that neurotypical people aren't doing that. They're not going around, like, with these special interests. And so, I don't know. I, it's, it is a diagnostic criteria, but I don't see it as a negative thing, I think once again. I think it's stupid diagnostic. Yeah. I think... I think it's stupid. Although it can kind of be negative 
when you are the one with a special interest and someone has just brought up your special interest and it's not time for you to give a dissertation on this, <laughs> but guess what? It's going to happen anyways because now you've touched upon my special interest. So get ready to hear about Yellow Jackets for four yeah. hours. You guys are going to want to sit down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grab a drink. Take a load off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, like all things, too much of one thing can turn into negative, but I don't think having special yeah. interest is like, you know, I guess, yeah, I, I guess... Maybe we shouldn't be offended by the word unusual because we are unusual. And so, like, fuck you, usual people. <laughs> you know? It's I like, guess it's it like the word weird. very boring to be usual. Yeah. So let's just take it back, you know? Okay. Just like with weird. All right. And then the last one in this restrictive, repetitive uh, behaviors category is a hyper or hypo reactivity to sensory input or an unusual interest in sensory aspects of the environment. So, like... Um, for example, having an like an apparent indifference to pain or temperature, an adverse response to specific sounds or textures, like having a big reaction, mm. sounds or textures, which once again, an autism flag for me when I said I can't be in the same room as someone eating an overly ripe banana. <laughs> That's autism. <laughs> and I said that like right at the beginning of this yeah. podcast. So yeah. sorry, guys. I'm sure you've been frustrated with us. But everyone's autistic journey is their own. And there are lots of reasons why it's hard to accept that you are autistic, not just because of like internalized ableism, but also I feel like it's hard the other way too, where it's like, I don't know if I'm like s smart enough to be autistic, or I don't know if I like have enough of these special things to mean I'm autistic, you know? So- But you do, don't worry. I guess I do, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I do cover my ears when there's a really, really loud, unpleasant noise in public. Which yes. It's a very stereotypical autistic behavior, yeah. but I do. I did it in the restore the other day. Some woman was fucking dragging this cart across the room on this concrete floor, mm -hmm. and it was like nails on a chalkboard, and uh, everyone else was just going about their business in the store. I was over in the corner, like with my hands <laughs> on my ears. Make it stop! <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm so autistic. <laughs> And like even Ian is just like going about his business, and I'm like, ah! It like hurts my the body. Pain. It hurts my teeth. Yeah. No, I've I've cried because the noise is too loud. Yeah. So if you've ever cried because the noise is too loud, you're probably you might be autistic. <laughs> <laughs> and then still in that sensory, uh, the hyper. I, we've talked about hyper or hypo reactivity, yeah. where you're either like have this huge reaction or this like underreaction. A blunted reaction. Yes. Yeah. So certain autistic people, and it's different for every autistic people, but certain people can have like, be really, really sensitive to temperature. Like I definitely am so sensitive to temperature. Mm -hmm. um, or you can be like, almost like you're not reacting enough to this extreme temperature. Mm. You, it can also be, you know, excessive smelling or touching of objects, which is really just stimming or yeah. having like a visual fascination with lights or movement. Like we've talked about stimming visually. Like I had that one student who would look at things out of the corner of his eye and that was how he would like visually stim. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. S yeah. Yeah. So those are the different areas uh, that you have to have struggled with, I guess, in order to get an official DSM diagnosis. Yeah. And like we've been ranting about, it's not really like, a lot of these things, it's like, well, sometimes I do. And I kind of do that, but like, oh, but I have a system for that. And I feel yeah. like there's I'm so not many... autistic. I have a system. Yes, and... that's a very classic thing that you'll yeah. hear, hear people say. But if you need a system for like how to get yourself to leave the house. Yeah, or go to the grocery store. Yes. Yeah. You need a whole system to overcome the sensory aspects of it. Mm -hmm. It's probably the tism. Probably the tism. All right. So for all of these, like. So now that we've talked about all of the symptoms. 
Well, I was going to say for all of those traits, they call them symptoms, they must be present in the early developmental period, uh, but may not become fully manifested until social demands exceed limited capacities, or they may be masked by learned strategies. So masking is a really big problem for why so many of us are not diagnosed, because we, especially if you're a woman or you've been socialized as female, you have kind of been forced to mask by society because we expect all women to mask. And then if you're autistic, it's like, you know, that times a million. So lots of people like are good at, you know, faking it and have learned how to fake it to the point where they don't even realize that they are masking. And, you know, that makes it so much harder to recognize your own autistic traits. In order to get the official diagnosis, those symptoms also have to cause a clinically significant impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of current functioning. So with all things, just like with ADHD, there are lots of these traits where maybe a neurotypical person, you know, occasionally experiences them. But when it becomes diagnostic criteria for autism is, does this impact like your day-to-day functioning? You know, like Mm -hmm. plenty of neurotypical people have some like sensitivity to light or whatever, but it's like, will that stop you from going outside? No, then it's not autism, you know, not that it has to stop your ADLs, activities of daily living. Yeah. Yeah. Like does does it affect the ADLs? Yes. Does it make this like extremely unpleasant slash like stop you from doing it altogether? Yeah. We're going to do a whole episode about ADHD versus autism because I think it's really important to talk about those differences Mm -hmm. but like I'm exploring uh the idea that I am ADHD and Ian is just ADHD which I think is pretty spot on Mm. there's a lot of differences between us and one of those is sensory needs where Ian may find certain things like unpleasant and you know with his ADHD he has sensory needs there but it's not going to prevent him from doing something like maybe he doesn't like the sound of something but like opening a really rusty creaky door but Mm. he's just going to be like oh that was unpleasant whereas for me it's like i'll be in the corner covering my ears or i won't do it i just won't open the door right i'll find a different way out because i cannot stand this sensory experience it's like so overwhelming to my whole body and then the last part about meeting that criteria is that these disturbances are not better explained by intellectual disability or a global developmental delay Intellectual disability and autism spectrum disorder frequently co-occur, which actually I've heard is incorrect. I think about one third of autistic people also have an intellectual disability, uh, but the rest Uh. don't. And so it used to be like very, very, it used to be like you have to kind of like have both. And it's like a trademark of autism to have an intellectual disability, which actually is not true. Mm. Actually, yeah, reading a lot of the literature, because I was trying to look for a specific article um, that was on genetics of ASD versus ADHD. Um, and anything before like 2015 would always talk about intellectual disability, like yep. using that s- actual word with autism, almost like co-occur- yeah. co-occurring. Yeah, and that's how I learned about it too. And I was like, I don't think this is right. Yeah, being autistic isn't doesn't have anything to do with intelligence you right. know the same way that like dyslexia, like dyslexia doesn't or adhd doesn't it's not right. you know you can have an intellectual disability if you're not autistic just like you can have one if you are autistic mm-hmm. you know so those are like those are the criteria for the dsm to get officially diagnosed and the last thing i want to throw in here that i think is so important for the differences between adhd and autism and this was like a really big thing that helped me realize that it was also autism in there I always learned that autism came with a lot of executive dysfunction, which are, you know, your ability to like 
plan things, coordinate, figure out time, figure out what order of things to do things in. I always learned that that autism came with a lot of executive dysfunction, but actually we now know that it's the ADHD that comes with the executive dysfunction. So all of those challenges are the ADHD. The executive dysfunction that occurs in autism is an inability to get started if you can't do it perfectly. And that for me mm. was another light bulb where I'm like, oh my ding, God, ding, ding. that's me. I have both. <laughs> I have. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. I have such a hard time like organizing my thoughts and figuring out where to get started. And then on top of it, if I can't do it perfectly or I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it the way that I want to do it, then I like avoid it and I don't get started. So having both really sucks. But I think that's also an important distinction between the two is that the executive dysfunction is really, really pretty much like ADHD. And so if you relate to some of what we say on this podcast, but you don't struggle with executive dysfunction, it, it could also be that you just have autism and that you're not, you know, you're not getting that ADHD component of it. And I hope that this is going to like help clear things up and help figure out the differences because like we have definitely been a part of kind of ascribing these different autism traits to ADHD because there's so there's so much misinformation about out there. And the way that we talk about it is just kind of like muddled. So our goal with this autism series is to kind of like suss the two, pull the two apart, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then bring them back together again. Yeah, into one nice little sandwich. Yep. All right. And before we end this episode, just know that we have so, so much more to say. And we're really having to control ourselves here and not just like word vomit all of it onto you. We could talk about this for hours. And we will. <laughs> uh, but we have to remember that this is part one. And part one of many. We can do as many parts as we want. We don't have to jam it all in this one episode. But we're trying. Yes. No. <laughs> so I wanted to end this one with just kind of talking about why it's so hard to acknowledge and accept that you are autistic. Uh, because I think it's something that a lot of us struggle with. And then next I, time... Including us. I feel oh, like yeah. I'm, I'm still struggling. Yeah, I think there's a lot of imposter syndrome that goes into it. There's a lot of internalized ableism. So that, that's one of my main reasons is that there is a lot of ableism around like functioning labels, quote unquote, and being like a productive, successful member of society and like a lot of assumptions about intelligence and ability levels. And, you know, society as a whole acts like, well, if you're able to like hold down a job and you have friends, you must not be autistic. And so that is a societal thing, but I also think we internalize a lot of that and that does become internalized ableism. There's a lot of misinformation around ADHD versus autism, which, you know, we have definitely been a part of kind of upholding these ideas of what is ADHD and kind of, you know, part of it does, I think, erase this autistic identity. And I think it's really important to make sure we're talking about them as separate things. And mm. that's why I'm so glad that we're finally doing this episode because it's really important to acknowledge how they're different because you're going to have different yeah. needs. You're going to have different experiences. And I'm just really glad that we are finally talking about it. We've talked about how there's a lot of stereotypes of what autism looks like, like the little boy with trains. And these can be both positive and negative stereotypes, which also, you know, positive, quote unquote, positive stereotypes can also be harmful. Like this idea that, you know, everyone who's autistic is going to have this like computer brain. Mm. Like I, for the longest time, thought that I could not be autistic because I'm not, I don't like spreadsheets. And it was kind of <laughs> like, it's kind of like I didn't feel like I was smart enough to be autistic where I was like, I feel like if I were autistic, I'd be better at these things. I feel like the people who like spreadsheets are neurotypical, holistic people. No, it's autistic people. 
but there's I'm working on this whole uh, informal categorization of different types of autism. Like mm-hmm. you've got spreadsheet autism yep. is one brand of autism. That's fair. You know, there's like horse girl autism. Mm. Um, there's just all these different <laughs> informal categories, I feel like, of how autism presents. Yeah. And I think spreadsheet autism is just one of many different like unofficial like types, quote unquote, of autism. We'll save your categorization yeah, for yeah, another yeah, day. Down, yeah. But yeah. And then, you know, a lot of internalized ableism also comes with like not wanting to be categorized as autistic because of like how terrible and condescending right. and infantilizing society collectively is about autism. Like people treat you like you're a little baby right. if you say you're autistic. So I feel like that's a pretty valid reason for people to not want to like take on this label of autism because of how society yeah, I don't treats be autistic people. Yeah. But, you know, we are autistic and I think working on like letting go of that ableism mm. is an important part of the process as yes. much as it sucks. And especially if you're a marginalized identity, you know, if you're a black woman, you're going to be treated much more differently if you have that autistic label. You know, if you're like, I think we are pretty privileged even as, you know, autistic white women yeah. where, you know, we'll be given the most benefit of the doubt from society as opposed to people who are like not given that. Right. So it can be actually like pretty dangerous to have that autism label if you are in like a marginalized community. So, you know, I don't want to just collectively say like, we should all embrace our autism and just be out there like being autistic and people can deal with it. It's like, no, it can be like life threatening if you're a trans person, if you're, yeah, whatever. And so, yeah, I think it's important that we keep that perspective that this is coming from two very privileged white women who, you know, this is our, this is our experience with it, but this is not representative of everyone's experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. At all. And so you should probably listen to those people more than us. And there's a lot of uh, autistic creators and and people putting their thoughts out there and, yeah. um, who are not two white women. Yes. So I think it's important to learn from them as well and learn mm-hmm. from like, you know, a diverse group of people when it comes to autism because every autistic person's experience is different. Yes. Yes. Um, also, ADHD and autism can frequently like mask or hide each other because you're right. not just rigid. You also have the impulsivity of ADHD. It's yes. Like having two different people inside your brain. Yes. And so often they can like kind of make up for each other right. in a way, you know, where it's like I would look a lot more rigid if it wasn't for my impulsive ADHD making me do impulsive things, you know? Yes. I completely agree um, slash to be talked about further on another day. Yes. Yeah. We're going to do a whole... ADHD versus autism. Yeah. So just hold your train horses. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Uh, We're good at masking and gaslighting ourselves. And it's really difficult to see your own traits, especially if you have all neurodivergent friends and family, like we said. Right. Everybody does that. Yeah. It's like, no, you just are friends with other freaks. (laughs) And (laughs) also, like we said, It's hard to know you're missing social cues when you're missing social cues and the traits aren't explained in a way that's easy to understand when you have an autistic brain, which takes things very literally. Yes. Yes. I like scripting where I was like, I'm not writing out scripts of how to talk to this person. So I can't be autistic. Or a certain friend who I was talking to who we're, we're both pretty confident is just autistic and I was telling her about my thoughts and theories on myself having autism and she goes well I think you're really good at social cues and I was like oh 
Oh, I'm no. just better than you. Yeah, you're, you're just messing more of them <laughs> than just, even yeah, I am. Which isn't saying much. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same with me and you. Yeah. Where you've always been like, Grace, you're you're great at social skills. You're so popular and yeah. everybody likes you. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm not good at social skills. You're worse. <laughs> no so much. It's okay. We're both not great. Yeah. No, it's all right. Yeah. So I think we'll stop there. Yep. And next time we will get into... So much more. So much more. We have, yeah, so we want to talk about Audi HD. No, Audi HD. I just, I have to say it like that because it's funny to me and it's funny to no one else. Yeah, it just makes um, me angry. It makes my mouth happy when I say it like that. All right, well, I care about your mouth's happiness. So. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about um, autism versus ADHD, Audi HD, traits, tests, ableism. What's happening in the brain? We want to talk about yes, that too. Brain anatomy. Yep. All that stuff. Neurotransmitters. Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we can only do so much in one episode. Yes. So until next time, should we go to the bod? No. Oh, no. We got closing time. No, I didn't. We got closing time. Got, ah! This is where we sing the song Closing Time. Closing, closing time. time. Time for new beginnings and the places you will be from. No, this is where we talk about if you like today's episode, and why wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, where can I get more of this? Well, you can. You can find us on wherever you get wherever you get your podcasts. Look up Weirds of Feather. You can also email us at weirdsoffeather at gmail.com if you want to chat with us or tell us that we did a great job or what if this is probably inappropriate but i'm the one asking for it so it doesn't matter what if you send us an email of all the different autistic traits that you've picked up on in us over the year and a half we've done this podcast yeah you've been bursting at the seams to be like that's autism you're autistic yeah let us know different things that you've noticed about us because i think it's fun for I people think it's to funny. observe also, my traits sure if you think you have um Autism, share some fun traits about yourself because yeah. I would like to hear those. Yeah. Maybe we have the same traits. Maybe we don't. Who knows? Um, but this is how we learn. You can also find us on Instagram at Weirds of a Feather. You can buy us a coffee oh. at ko-fi.com slash Weirds of a Feather. And that yep. money goes right back into the podcast. And Sound editing. Yes. And whatnot. And is what it does. Who um, knows it? Yes. Yes. Because that's our that's our thing. Yep. We're not sound editors, so we need one. Yes. Um, and and I think that's it. No. Oh, Facebook you're, group. You're missing the Facebook group. Whatever. There's a lot of go good to the Facebook things. group. Go to the Facebook group. There's a lot of good things going on there. People are posting. People are reacting. People. Oh, are, maybe we could do a poll that's like, did you already suspect that we were autistic? We yes or no? could do that. Or did you already suspect that yourself was yeah, autistic? I'd like to know that too. I'd like to know. I want to know all these intimate details about our fans. And let us know if this episode has confirmed for you or helped you realize like, huh, I wonder if I'm also autistic. Yeah. Because I love that when we can help people also have this realization yeah. about themselves. I think that's great. And yeah. that's it. Uh, we're autistic. So congrats on knowing that. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> yep. Uh we're out there and we're, we're loving every out minute out of there it. And proud. Yep. Um, and that's it. And dysregulated. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but should we go on to our bod? Yep. So today's bod. I want your bod. Nice bod. Uh, today's bod is the common loon. And rather than a fun fact, I have a fun story. All right. Uh, once upon a time, a couple years ago in the state of Maine, an eagle was found with what 
appeared to be like a bullet wound. It was like a straight like in and out wound through its body. And so that was like a big deal because eagles are endangered. I think it was a bald eagle. Mm. And that's like kind of like America's like big bird. Um, <laughs> like you, you can't, it's. It's protected. Yeah, it's protected. People get upset. And so the state of Maine, I think it was Maine. I'm pretty sure it was Maine. They were like, oh, my God, what happened? What happened? What happened? Like, we got to find out. There's a poacher on the loose. We got to get him. And so they did this big investigation. And what they figured out uh, through, like, autopsy and whatnot, that it was not a bullet, but it was a parent loon protecting its chick. And what it did is, like, the eagle, I guess, what they predicted is that the eagle was, like, flying down to protect its chick and the loon with its really sharp beak just like pierced it through the heart. God. So metal and killed it instantly. <laughs> down and I don't know if they here. both died, but that's a really cool story. What a way to go. Uh, don't fuck with the loons. Yep. They'll take you out. Yep. You ready to listen to this fucking loon? Yep. like an old haunted woman (laughs) lake ghost (laughs) (laughs) good stuff